Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast. We are super excited, as we always are, Janine, because we are rounding out Burt Lancaster Week on It's a Wonderful Podcast. Today we had a delightful episode of Morgan Hasn't Seen on Wednesday talking Field of Dreams, which I think was just such a wonderful movie and a great way to start our second 250 movies on on uh, on Morgan hasn't seen because he did of course come yes. the week after our big milestone special over on that show but we're back in the realm of old Hollywood of course today celebrating old movies and discovering new ones as we love to do on this the main show we're in the late 40s. We're in the noir world as we often like to live in, Janine, with yeah. sorry, wrong number from 1948. Burt Lancaster is our male lead in this movie, but it's not necessarily his movie to really sink his teeth into. I think that credit has to go to Barbara Stanwyck, who was nominated for an Oscar. For, his, for her performance in this movie, as crazy and rather theatrical as her performance is showcasing a great deal of range in, yes. uh, in, in acting quality, I think, from Barbara Stanwyck. But that does not diminish the quality that Burt Lancaster is bringing to this movie. His run from The Killers um, through the late 40s you know, The Killers being his first movie. We have an episode on The Killers. We have an episode on a good couple of late 40s Burt yeah. Lancaster movies on this show. And uh, this is a this is going to be a great addition to that. I think this is going to be a really fun talk today. <laughs> because there's a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot of emotions, I think, to get our head around. A lot of, perhaps, sympathies with different characters to yes, get our yes. heads around. In this really crazy, plotty, noir movie, incredibly twisty, incredibly mysterious. You flashbacks, haven't got a clue. yeah. Flashbacks upon flashbacks lore, upon yeah. flashbacks. <laughs> it, it's full of narration. It's everything you want from a noir movie strangely enough i actually be began to watch this movie not quite being sure whether it was really a noir or not but was quickly smacked across the face and told of course it is you idiot look <laughs> at everything that's going on here yeah and i think we even both kind of felt it going in a particular direction only for it to be not really as complex as we were kind of making it out to be because no, it, they were giving you so many different layers of information. It is. It's it's a movie that almost pretends to be ridiculously convoluted, but yeah. ends up really not being that convoluted <laughs> at yeah. all. It messes with your mind, mm -hmm. I think, in a great way, in a way that only mystery noirs can do and i think this is yeah. why we love these kind of movies so much that you know on top of that they're dark they're filled with seedy nastiness and yeah. 
manipulation in relationships. And if there's one thing I like watching on screen, Janine, it's people being mean to each other or being manipulative of each other in relationships. No, that's not necessarily <laughs> always the case, but it does make for good drama. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it does. Sorry, wrong number is going to be a great episode. Today, we do have to do one thing before we get into today's discussion. That is, of course, to say a big thank you to all our It's a Wonderful Podcast patrons, who we love dearly, and like to say a big thank you to every single week on one of the shows here on the podcast feed, because we can't do what we do without their generous support. If you would like to join them and join us on the Patreon or donate in any way. There are links in the description to go and do that. We would love you forever and give you a big, big, big purple heart, as I like <laughs> to uh, often give people. But we'll start by saying a big thank you to Marie Zambino. And thank you, Adam Witt. Thank you to Michael Smith. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you, Abby Friel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to 90s Comics Box, Janine's big brother, Justine. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Tina Farrow. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to Movie Fenobi Steve. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you, Carla Fies. Thank you to the great Ken Knapsock. Thank you to our good friends Tom and Kimber of Odd Shape Channel. Thank you to Eric Garcia. And thank you to Billy Pollahan. Yes, applause for the patrons. Yay. Definitely applause for the movie, Janine. Did you find yourself thoroughly invested in what was going on here? Oh, yes. I definitely went into this feeling like it was going to just kind of reading a brief synopsis. I thought it was going to be like a female rear window type kind of situation. That's exactly what I thought. Oh, <laughs> yes. my God. That is exactly what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be one room and it would just yeah. be centered entirely around Barbara Stanwyck. Maybe Burt Lancaster will come in every now and again. You yeah. just see maybe Burt Lancaster would even be the person she's spying on. Or something like that. I think yeah. that's precisely what yes. I thought. Yes, I mean, they had the be. wheelchair set up by this open terrace. She hears this phone call plotting somebody is going to get murdered. So she hears this phone call uh, by accident. So now she's going to kind of go on this whole discovery to try to solve this and figure out she's going to have people come in her nurse or whatever and help her like i i don't i was conjuring this whole like female version of rear window in my head so when it completely veered to something different i was very much intrigued and just the layers we were getting i was like okay now what tidbit of information are we going to get from this person that's going to build this this narrative and what's going to build it even more and what are we going to discover from this person and so it was a really fun game of of giving us piece by piece and like putting the puzzle together um which i think was really fun and just wow the range on barbara stanwick because i mean I think the first movie that I saw her in was 
meet John Doe. So that was very much her okay. giving this kind of Jean Arthur esque, uh, yeah, you know, Mister Smith. Holes, yes, Mister Smith goes to Washington type, of course, Capra. So you know, his heroines have these similar vibes. So you know, this sweet woman in that film, and then. Um, you know, bouncing around to to different versions of her. And then, you know, um, well, actually, I think Double Indemnity was the first movie I saw her in. Um, so, yeah. Well, but, I mean, there, there in itself is yes. uh, two movies <laughs> three years apart. And completely show. different, the, the range yeah. there. Um, uh, A Night to Remember, another kind of troubled but very sweet character there. Um, so then to see her be this hysterical, snobbish kind of woman here, just the layers of her, it's so expert. And, and, and you know, the descent into madness, woman's picture kind of sense. You know, I know we talked about that concept um, in the past. The, so. what, the, the woman's picture? Do you yes. have to say it in that like, old-timey yes, news report to Catherine Hepburn voice. I do. Yes, I have to say it. Woman's picture. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, woman going mad kind of thing. Just to see her prim and put together and, you know, checking her hair and from there and doing her lipstick and uh, to, to go to the sweaty, frazzled mess by the end. It's just this great juxtaposition of where this film takes us and, and her amazing performance. Um, and I think you had asked me about Burt Lancaster's position on my uh, old Hollywood crush list. And we've seen several I, I movies with him. had, yes, at, um, at some point. Yes. And I mean, we've seen several movies with him. I always found him to be attractive but i don't know for whatever reason in this movie i i guess i you know like you said characters kind of pull at our sympathies in different directions throughout this film and so kind of him in the beginning of this film i found myself really just feeling for him and uh you know empathizing with his character and so this movie kind of put him on the crush list for me even though you know i always found him to be attractive but this movie I, I don't know i was just like he's he's a really good looking man and i really feel for him and i want him to have his dreams and <laughs> i feel so bad but, you know because we get to uh you know as one of these layers we get to see how this relationship between him and barbara stanwick developed and what it turned into and you know, it, it became a situation where he kind of felt like a kept man who didn't have anything of his own. And he simply wanted to have the conversation and be honest with her and talk to her about these feelings. And she would just kind of blow him off and disregard his feelings at every turn. And so just him really trying to be honest with her, not worrying about uh, you know, looking like a weak man or being insecure about having these types of feelings and him just being this open man at that time, you know, in, in this time period, um, really just impressed me and attracted me to him. So I think that's really what, you know, sealed his spot <laughs> on my crush list well, that, out of, I mean, after I mean, that... several movies we've seen of his. I mean that that is very interesting to me, and yes, okay, from a, from a narrative point in this movie, I think it does a it's it's so clever at never ever giving you 
more than it needs to at that particular moment. Yes. I think it's a wonderfully written, wonderfully paced noir yeah. movie. Sometimes you can feel like even in even in the more mystery based noirs, you can feel like you you know essentially the deal of what's going to happen and sometimes you think you're doing this movie and then it flips it over again but in others well, yes. you find yourself well yeah but in others you find yourself going i think i know what's going on here and then that does actually happen it doesn't diminish the quality of the movie no. but the fact that you or, or i at least truly felt twisted around by this movie and with the nature of burt lancaster's character you you come to learn that he feels like he does he feels like a very trapped man in yeah. this relationship with stanwick which is strange or was strange to me because i began this movie very much sympathetic towards stanwick perhaps this was my preconceived idea of what the movie was knowing that it was barbara stanwick being bedridden being unable to move and all alone. things kind of all alone and things kind of just overwhelming her yeah a lot and her trying to figure things out without really being able to go anywhere or do anything and yeah. perhaps it would almost feel like a, a mental siege kind of movie where yeah. things would close in on her and it would become quite terrifying it's not to say that doesn't happen in the movie. It does happen in the movie yeah. at a certain <laughs> point, doesn't it? But because perhaps I thought that was exactly what the movie was going to be, I did find myself sympathising with Stanwyck an awful lot at the beginning of the movie. But it does a great job at it, certainly in like the second act of it, where you're getting all these flashbacks upon flashbacks, all these little intricate bits of information to really flesh out their relationship with each other, their history, their relationship with the other people in their lives. Barbara Stanwyck's father, played by Ed Bagley, and Richards, who is uh, Burt Lancaster's former girlfriend, who has now kind of not come back into the picture, but there's a certain um, element to, to her her now husband is investigating, investigating. a crime that Burt Lancaster may or may, may not be involved, involved in. in and she was very good friends she grew up with him and they kind of were courting a little bit in their really small hometown yeah. where Barbara Stanwyck went to college but all all these little things you do get really mess with my mind in yeah. do I am I siding with Barbara Stanwyck still because I feel sorry that she's ill and in bed and, and alone in the present or is all this information really getting me to go hold on a minute Burt Lancaster's not actually the bad guy here he's just trying to do what he's trying to do and he he's feeling a little bit trapped a little bit you know like almost like a pet 
to yeah, have her son. Yes. And he's made his and he's made several efforts to talk to her, to fix it, to go about it the right way, to find his own path. And at every turn she shuts him down or blocks him or does yeah. or does something for him to not. So then he resorts to kind of the worst means to to kind of make his own way because he tried it's every like other way. Gaslight. Yes. Yes. So I I, I definitely think we had our thought on where this movie would go and this film really subverted our expectations in some really interesting ways so just to kind of get into the story that feels well, almost well, very... well <laughs> yes yes but I, di I did just want to bring up the whole um the Burt Lancaster on your crush list as well before we <laughs> okay. properly get into the story and, and that I just think it's a little bit odd as you do that, that it was this movie yes. of all of them that, yeah. that really emphasised this point because, forgive me, I don't think he takes his top off in this movie. No. Um, I mean, you'd think yeah. if anything it would be, like, from here to eternity or something, but... From here to eternity, very romance. Yes. And, and very, He's in you little, know... little swim shorts and... <laughs> He is, yeah. yes, but he's also, you know, a, a very a respected man, yeah. a, a well-to-do man in From Here to Eternity. He has a big or, kind of seduction scene, uh, you know. He does, or I might be thinking of the killers, of um, brute force, for instance, where he's this yes. almost underdog figure, and he's he's obviously very young at this point, isn't he? It's his first couple of movies, really. Uh, yeah. Well, his first movie is The Killers. But it's a, it's a sultry movie in and of itself, The Killers. It's full of this instant romantic influence. And yeah, and he's not doing anything. <laughs> he's not doing anything and he does con romantic. He does constantly have his shirt off as well in those movies yes and two movies i've named yes and he's obviously got a very good physique as well i so mean he's and, and naturally somehow, somehow we managed to talk about his physique in every every which show. we should do because it's <laughs> remarkably impressive one of his films yes he has this very kind of old-timey athletic frame which is great. Um, so yes, I I found it very odd that this was the movie that had me like, oh, Mr. Lancaster. I just think it would be the killers. <laughs> like if it was I, if it was I, anything. I mean, I I always found him attractive in the movies that we watched, but for whatever reason, I think just him being this man and not afraid to oh, share his feelings and have this woman not listen to him just really had me empathizing with him in a way that I was just like, I just wanted to hold him, you know? Is um, it because he's, he also, in this movie, does perhaps um, bite off more than he can chew, perhaps get into a situation Yes, and you feel bad for handle. him. And you see several, several moments, like I mentioned, of him trying to go about it the right way, trying to broach the subject with her, try to be honest and have the conversation, try to have his own, you know, because he ends up in the situation where he's working for his uh, father-in-law kind of thing, because it's they're rich and they have this whole uh, pharmaceutical business and, and you know, yeah. he's the big wig. And so he ends up becoming kind of this paper pusher with a big title for her father and so he feels like he doesn't have anything of his own so he goes and he tries to set up a job interview for himself so that he can get his own job at his own merit 
and she shuts him down and worse than that she talks to her father about it who then kind of threatens him and says oh that big man you had the interview with well i know him and he does business with me so you're not going to get a job from any of these other big wigs in town because i know them all and i can tell them not to hire you so he was trying you know he wasn't trying to fight her or go against her he just wanted something for himself and she just would not listen to him and when he when he just tried to have you know he tried to go and have them get their own place their own apartment because he was tired of living at her father's house he 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 was trying to bring her along and include her in you know his his dream of just you know being that provider and feeling like a man and yeah. she just couldn't give him wife. that <laughs> yes so it wasn't a a, a a a thing of him not wanting to be with her or even him not liking this rich life that she was providing him he was he was loving having this rich life because he came from this small town but he wanted to feel like he had something of his own that's all he wanted and so the fact that she just was not hearing him yeah. that he ends up kind of getting in this desperate situation to kind of make his own money and do his own way and, and he gets into some shady things that we discover um you know he tried he tried the right way and it wasn't working for various efforts and so you know he was kind of pushed to his breaking point and so you yeah, kind of really he, feel for him he was but you know what happens in these movies when we yes. learn that someone <laughs> tries the wrong way Not yes. it, you know it doesn't objectively end badly for him exactly All, although i mean the end of this movie is quite sudden and shocking i think really it's a, i think it's a very smack in the face kind of ending and I, I really enjoy that about it it's devastating to a to a certain degree particularly for for burt lancaster yeah but it's when we fully learn that burt lancaster's kind of criminal activity that we we spend the vast majority of the movie not quite knowing how far deep he is in this particular scheme. And it's based around um, Ed Bailey's pharmaceutical company and stealing the odd little bit of chemicals here and there and building this kind of extra portion, selling things off, taking them to this random yeah. coastal house. And people and... pick it up and yeah. Yeah, and the it, shady th third person involved who kind of formulated the plan and you know helps facilitate you know uh, the the whole scheme. Yes. And he's kind of the boss of the plan, like the the undercover boss of the plan. I love uh, I love seeing this guy. I love seeing this guy show up in movies. He's in the Killers as well. William yeah. Comrade with the mustache, the big yeah. guy with the mustache, <laughs> plays Murano in this movie such yeah. a great little face of a character actor yeah yeah of the time that he is wonderful in these kind of movies but it does it, it constantly keeps you on your toes trying to figure out who the bad person is yes because movie. yes yes because starting from the beginning you know is where we get our kind of rear window vibes and um we are starting off kind of sympathizing with barbara stanwick she's bedridden we kind of get a view of the room we see a wheelchair we see a tray above her bed that has a bunch of medications so you know 
reading the synopsis, we know she's an invalid. She's stuck in bed and she's all alone. And, you know, she's, she's wondering where her husband is. He sent the, uh, he let the, the nurses have the night off and told her, assured her he was going to be home by six. It's after that time she, you know, is, is on the phone calling the operator to call his office over and over and over again. And it's just a busy signal. So she's getting worried and we're very much kind of worried for her because she's all alone there. She has no help. She can't get out of bed. And her husband promised he would be home and he's not home. So now we're kind of just like, okay, what's going on? Can I just say that the movie wonderfully opens with an ode to the concept of the telephone in this text graphic. The oh, telephone. Yeah. The centerpiece of the city, linking everybody together yeah, in secrets. all these, in, in their secrets, in their lies, in their loves, in their horror. Ooh, yes. the telephone. The telephone brings so many things, including death. <laughs> like, it was scary. <laughs> of course it does. Of that course it does. All of the scrolling it. over operators, like, switching, you know, all that. it's just uh, I think it's depictions like this that I just find myself loving this is why I love old movies it's why I love old Hollywood because the telephone is obviously such there's nothing impressive about a telephone in the modern day is there really we, we, we completely take the concept of the telephone for granted yet even in the late 40s it was as important as this beginning of the movie yes. tells you it is yeah so that i love looking even from a historical point i think this is where it stems from for me i love watching these movies and things like the telephone and telegrams and and Letters, and knowing how hard it, it was to know where someone was or to get yeah. in contact with someone if something was happening to be able, the 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 ability to you know have proof and evidence by recording something happening you couldn't do any of that and, no. and so that and stripped what... away the ease of so much of the things that we have today and that we're kind of just you know take for granted and are used to and so when you really go back and look at these movies and have to think about you know how do you tell somebody? How do you warn somebody of something? How you know if somebody doesn't come home? How do you know where they are? Like, it's really exactly. it, it really plays on your nerves to think back on how much more difficult it was to kind of do things. It does, and in a in a sad way, I think it's what um, can put people off watching old movies because you're obviously so familiar with modern technology and. Not for me, but it can take people some time to realise, oh, I'm watching a movie where that doesn't exist because it's so taken for granted, because you're so used to all these things we obviously have now. Yes. It, you, you know, you, you may not feel that same tension that you should feel. Certainly that was felt from this movie in 1948, but that, even we feel watching it now because we can compartmentalize that and, and realize that it's of a different time. We're, we're watching something in a totally yeah. different context and we are living in that world in that time, not in today's time. And I think as soon as people do that, 
as soon as people allow themselves to do that, they can open themselves up to living through the old movies that we love so much yeah. and really embracing them yeah. because they're not thinking about, oh, well, it can't be that hard to just let somebody know where you are. Like, it is that yeah, hard. It is kind of if hard. somebody's yeah. just away from a phone, you ain't knowing where they are. Yes. And even uh, there's a scene where someone is uh, calling uh barbara stanwick and you know she has to constantly put five cents in or to to continue the call or yeah. it's going to cut off and she's trying to give her this whole long story and give her all this information and then every few minutes you know your call's going to disconnect please pay a nickel for the next 10 minutes or whatever um it's having a little <laughs> argument with the operator Yes, please. I, I just give me a few more minutes. No, sorry, your time's up, kind of thing. So, yeah, the just... operator as well. I think we should bring back the operator. Uh, completely pointless, <laughs> obviously. Doesn't work in modern society. Yeah. It's, it's not how telephones work now. But I would love to to ring. <laughs> I would use the phone more than I actually use the phone because I never phone anybody up i know it's you like know, i don't do like, like talking that. to anybody i think the only person i ever talk on the phone with is my mom <laughs> like uh, yeah i don't talk to anybody actually yeah. on the phone but i yeah. think i probably would if i knew who i was speaking to first and it was some operator person going operator please put me through to uh new york uh brooklyn and 1743 jackson street or something like that yes like thank you yes i'll do yes. that I mean, that whole concept only works now in a john wick movie uh so <laughs> oh yes that's a point <laughs> yes um but yeah it's a really interesting thought to kind of think how uh the kind of difficulty of contacting people and what telephones meant in this time to be able to kind of be the crux of this movie um just adds kind of the technological horror yes it adds to the tension of everything that's happening because now she's you know this is her one kind of piece of contact to the world and even that is really tricky so yeah she's been trying to call her husband's office over and over and over and it's just getting a busy signal and so she tries one one more time and they connect her wrong and so she hears a man's voice talking but then she's trying to talk to him and he can't hear her and then another man starts talking and it sounds like they're plotting something and saying okay so the back window will be open make sure you know you have a gun get come in at 11 15 and you know the window will be open the train you know when the train goes by yeah. that's right when you, you're gonna do the deed and kill her and all this whole thing so she hears this whole plot to murder somebody to murder a woman and then the call ends she tries to call back the operator and explain they don't understand what she's saying she gets on the call with like the head operator and they can't really help her she tries to call they put her in touch with the police and the, the policeman is uh you know taking care of a lost baby so he's really distracted and is telling her well that's not enough information for me to, to do anything about it sorry ma'am so now she's just sat here panicked thinking somebody's gonna get murdered she's all alone she can't get a hold of her husband who was supposed to be home and so you're really just kind of stressing and worried about her and she does for me personally she already kind of comes off as a little annoying because when she's trying to get a hold of her husband 
she's like telling the operator her whole life story. Oh, well, you know, he gave the, the nurses the night off. I don't know why he did that, but he did. And anyway, th they must've been out to a movie or something. I don't know what they were doing, but they're not here. And so like, like the operator doesn't need to hear all this lady, like <laughs> stop. So I was already kind of low key, kind of annoyed with her. So when we get more layers and see her like, in the past in these flashbacks and she ends up kind of being a bitch <laughs> like I was not surprised so yes ultimately like there were glimmers of me really being concerned for her and the panic and and you know thinking okay she might not be such a bad person because she's worried about somebody else and wanting to to help somebody else that she thinks is in trouble but she was already just kind of being a little annoying right off the bat. So Well see, I think this is I think this is the great way we we can have these little differences in how we're viewing these movies because I was totally with her in the stress and the panic and the yeah. worry of the situation. I really was, which I think, you know, when we do learn that she is kind of just a, a spoiled child who's had everything her way her entire life been yeah. completely pandered to doesn't listen to anyone else certainly never listens to anything but lancaster really has to say yeah until when... he until he says he's gonna walk away and then yeah until it oh, gets i'll do serious. whatever you want I'll, I'll you know we can do whatever you want i'll give you whatever you need don't leave me just don't and then she turns into this whole big you know sobby mess every time he kind yeah. of gets frustrated that she's not listening to him and but this he, is just because oh, she wants what she wants, what she wants. all yeah. the time. Yes. And it's, but I think the fact I was feeling so much similar levels of anxiety to her at the, at the be beginning of this movie or for the first like 20 minutes of this movie is what made that change in her character doubly more effective for me. I didn't see it coming like you did and i suppose you're quite you're sat there quite pleased with yourself going i always <laughs> well, knew yes, she was I like mean, this yes because i mean before she gets the let's here's the sinister phone call you know she's trying to get a hold of her husband and she's just lamenting her whole whiny story kind of complaining to the operator in a very much well i don't know why he did this but uh, that must be out of a movie or something i don't know anyway and like telling the operator her whole story and i'm like the operator doesn't care like just, just, you're annoying <laughs> maybe i just have a fondness for barbara stanwick janine maybe maybe you do um but yeah like just she was showing glimmers of just kind of being uh a talkative kind of annoying person uh so while i was very much like concerned for her her well-being in this situation just kind of how she opened the film with her kind of jabber jawness i was just like it's a great <laughs> phrase <laughs> jabber jawness <laughs> I'm gonna start using that. Yeah, Jabber Jonas. Um, yeah, like I got this this air of kind of she's she's kind of annoying. I don't know. Um, so yes, we when we do kind of flash to how she got with Burt Lancaster, um, they were at a school dance and he's or like a college dance and he's um dancing with a girl. They're from this small town, and I think maybe she was going to school there. Um and she's waiting kind of in like the dance queue and she sees him and she just 
says, oh, I'm going to cut in. And he's very much like, well, no, I'm dancing with her. I'm perfectly content dancing with her. So bye. And she's like, and, and the girl is like, oh, no, it's okay. You know, you can dance with her. So then she kind of lets him dance with her, even though he wasn't really interested. And so she's kind of trying to charm him and he's being polite and they seem like they're having nice conversation. Um, But then, you know, the song ends and he's kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to go find my girl now. And she's like, well, no, I have this fancy car and, you know, we could, I could show you and you could give it a little, take it for a spin. And he's like, oh, I don't know what kind of car that is. You know, I'm just a small town guy and, you know, my girl will be waiting. I'm with her and she's kind of the the girl I want. And, you know, she is is very much not taking no for an answer from him. (laughs) There's elements to Burt (laughs) Lancaster in this movie that are... I mean, I don't want to use the phrase simpleton, but I'm yeah. going to. Dimwit, perhaps, is, is a better mm, I wouldn't go that far, phrase. but simpleton. No, no. A small town guy who doesn't know about these big kind of things in the big city and and a bigger life and, you know, the rich kind of life. He, he, he has no really concept of any of that. And so I think that's what she ultimately used to kind of lure him in that she could open him up to this whole new world that he wouldn't have access to otherwise. And he could get out yeah. of his little town and see what's out there and live the good life. And, and also kind of promised him that he, he could make something of himself if he just kind of had the base of this great life with her. So he's already, you know, she's kind of making it seem like, you know, this could be his dream and he could make something of himself if she just put him, set him up in this great position. So that's kind of what ends up luring him in. He ends up spending all this time with her, the romance forms. um, And the girl that he was with before, she happened to be a girl that he grew up with, that she lived in the town with him. Um, So they were kind of like, you know, casually dating, but they had known each other for forever. So when she sees that he is getting serious about Barbara Stanwyck or that they're spending a lot of time together, she comes to her genuinely just worried about him because she cares about him. She says she admits to Barbara Stanwyck that she's in love with him. And you can tell she's very much coming from this sincere place, not this place of jealousy. Um, and tells her, like, please don't mess around with him. Like, if he's just going to be a toy that you're going to be playing with, like, pick somebody else. Because he's a good guy. And he, you know, is very sim- simple. And he's also very prideful. And, you know, I could see that you're going to kind of diminish him and, and kind of play with his man, you know, you know his capability of feeling like a man. And um, just don't do that to him because, you know, he he, he is very prideful. And Barbara Stanwyck just kind of blows her off and tells her, you're just jealous and, you know, I get whatever I want and he's what I want. And and then kind of after kind of puffing her chest out and, and kind of uh, asserting her dominance, then she kind of brings up that she might love him and wants to marry him. It's kind of like an afterthought to, to really kind of uh, really dig at this other girl. Uh, so. Yeah. And this is really where just another great element of the noir movies coming to this movie is this is not immediately a femme fatale movie but it might be it might turn into one she might be a femme fatale in a totally different way but indefinitely a a 
woman that manipulates an idiotic man because noir is filled with idiotic men being easily manipulated that does happen in this movie what i think is even more interesting though is that at times i was thinking to myself no this is the total opposite of a femme fatale movie this might even be an homme fatale movie which is a, is a much rarer type of of noir where it is the 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 you know uh, the fatale figure is a man that's the idea of homme fatale rather than mm. femme fatale okay. um people say george macready in gilda um as as is is very much an homme fatale in that movie i think people mistake gilda herself as being a femme fatale where she's really really not she is her and glenn ford are constantly manipulated by george mccready in that movie he is that that horrible figure yeah and there was times in this movie where we didn't know burt lancaster that well that i was thinking he he's the bad one here like where's he he's going off leaving her here doing all this crime stuff that he might be doing yeah like being investigated but even look at the poster (laughs) even look at the poster exactly the poster he's about to slap her across the face (laughs) it does the poster gives us that impression and i think that's fascinating that there was me watching this movie could envision it being the total flip of ultimately what it turns out to be but keep flipping back and forth um and it kind of ends up being neither one or the other but a mix of both all these things yes so um, you know, the story starts to kind of unravel. You know, we we get this flashback of how they met because I think she ends up on a call kind of telling someone the story of how they met, but I can't remember. It's flashback. It's flashback upon yeah. flashback. <laughs> so- there's, there's a certain <laughs> narrative structure to this movie that has the possibility and the potential to feel messy never does for me always does feel streamlined but it is that convoluted narrative nature of noir movies that is very much embraced by this movie and that i think is why i like them so much because i never get so you know get so i never get so needing to know every single little detail of a movie um in you know in order to to understand what's going on and i think in these movies if you are someone that likes to focus in on every single tiny little detail it they can become a bit much they can become a bit you know heavy on your brain to try and decipher and it's not really about doing that no it's literally just kind of revealing the information as she's getting it and building the and putting again, like I said, getting pieces of a puzzle and putting it together. Um, 
so yeah, she gets a call from her father who's checking in on her and you can kind of get a, a sense of their dynamic and we even see bits of that in her flashback about Burt Lancaster. When she is getting ready to want to marry him, she's begging her father to give him a job and her father's like, I'm not going to give this man a job. He has no experience. And then she kind of ha- goes into a fit of crying and yelling and, and and having a tantrum almost, being very much, giving very much Veruca salt energy. and Little bit. And, you know, taking pills and and grabbing her chest and talking about her heart. And um, and so then her father immediately submits and says, okay, okay, I'll give him a job. I'll give him a job. Like, don't worry. Um, and that's how Bert Lancaster gets in the situation of getting a job, working for her father, you know, doing invoices and menial work, but has this kind of title of vice president and just not being happy in the situation. Um, and vaguely does not help the no, mental situation. Of he does not. Anyway. And, and then we build on, you know, whenever he tries to broach these conversations with her, that he wants to be his own man and doesn't want her to have to give him money all the time just so he can do things. He wants them to have their own place and get out from under her father. And uh, he, she doesn't listen to him. She just blows him off and writes him off and tells him he's being ridiculous and dumb and kind of berates him. And then he goes to leave. And then she starts, you know, oh, my gosh, my heart. And, oh, I'm, you know, please don't leave. And she gets sick. And she has these kind of um, physical breakdowns and and he learns or what she tells him that she has this kind of heart condition. And I guess her mother had died of a heart condition when she was born. And so the father very much, you know, caters to her because she plays, She you know, she grew up playing up this heart condition and thinking she had that. And so she plays that up every time he goes to leave or every time, you know, he, he gets frustrated with her or tries to just have a real conversation with her. Um, so that plays into kind of things that happen later. But she still, so we get a sense of her relationship with her father through some of these calls and things. And then she calls his secretary um, to see if she has any information on where he was and when he left the office. And so she tells him, well, this woman came in to see him and I, I heard him set a meeting with her saying he would meet her at this restaurant at such and such time, but he didn't go with her. He let her leave and then he left after and uh, said he, he wouldn't be back. I don't know where he went. I, you know, I had messages for him. I thought maybe he would come back, but he never came back. So um, the receptionist is kind of giving her all this information. So now she's like, well, who is this woman? What is going on? Um, you know, now we're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, he's having this affair and she's here alone, invalid wife. So we're still kind of on her side. I'm, I'm in the mindset that she's just kind of annoying but I'm still like on her side. <laughs> and what is this terrible man doing? Um, then she ultimately gets the name of the person and realizes it's this old, g- g- the girl that she knew from school. And she calls her and st- she ends up telling her all of these things. Oh, well, you know, uh, my husband, he is like a prosecutor and he um, was talking about your husband and, and some case with him, but he wouldn't give me any information. Um, he had this big case involving him. And so I followed him to see where he was going. And so then it turns into this whole big story that she tells her about her husband. Yeah. And eventually becomes the the crime mystery Mm -hmm. that it becomes as well it's almost as though the present day of this movie is burt lancaster's the bad guy he's the criminal who's left her alone yeah 
and might be seeing another woman. And all the flashbacks are the complete opposite of Barbara Stanwyck's a terrible manipulator. Um, Burt Lancaster, get out of this situation, please. Yes. And that's the great narrative structure because it keeps bouncing back well, and that's forth like a now, ping pong ball. Well, now, now I'm remembering because once she gets the woman's name, she remembers and then that's where she just starts thinking back on how she met Burt Lancaster, how she yeah. knows that woman and all of that. So it's her kind of thinking about that to herself and that that's when we finally see how she got Burt Lancaster. Um, and so, yes, um, this woman is kind of trying to reveal what she knows about the situation that she was worried about him. She kind of wanted to warn him that her husband was investigating him. So she, she, that's when she went to the office, the receptionist saw her, they met for lunch, but he was very much distracted. So she kept trying to talk to him and tell him, but he kept like looking around and, 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 you know, wanting drinks and wanting to order food and uh, just very distracted because of whatever was going on. Um, with him that we still don't quite know yet so she couldn't really warn him and then he got a phone call and left and never came back rather interestingly in this restaurant scene he's quite nervous about a gentleman that sat yes. behind him mm -hmm. wearing yeah. sunglasses who happens to be the director of the movie oh. anatoly litvak which okay. i read which okay. i thought was quite nice yeah. litvak's a really good director as well he's a really yes. solid visual director bringing yeah, a got, lot of flair that. to this I movie got that. Mm -hmm. i mean typical typical noir flares of course but you, you you are dealing with a lot of a lot of good a lot of good lighting use in the movie i think a lot of good yes. shadow use which is yeah. always a uh a high point of my movie watching experiences when you yes. use heavy shadows and things like that oh, but i love this Especially particular type yeah, yes. I, I love this particular type of movies. Once yeah. we get in to the crime element of this movie, you would be forgiven for thinking that it was trying to do too many different types of noir in <laughs> the same movie. Yeah. Because we're already dealing with relationship issues and the kind of, like I said, almost siege anxiety of Stanwyck and something potentially happening, happening to her, yeah. there. Maybe the one-room aspect of the present day being in Stanwyck's bedroom, but the fact we have this drug smuggling, essentially, in it as well, yeah, <laughs> is... You would be forgiven for thinking it's doing too much, yet I don't think it ever feels like it's doing too much or trying to be you know too layered it never goes one layer too much it, it's always staying maybe four layers deep and never quite goes to the fifth yeah and the fifth yeah. i think would just become confusing rather than convoluted i think convoluted is fine in this kind of movie when it still makes sense and it yeah. always does still make sense because you have this whole drug smuggling operation with Burt Lancaster kind of coaxing a fellow uh, co-worker um, of, of the company. Well, yes, we Evans. hear, yes, the, the receptionist also told her that he kept getting phone calls all day from kind of a, a, pesty, a pest that just kept calling, calling, calling W. Evans. 
And, and so then the W. Evans actually called her several times to talk to her husband and give him the, these tidbits of information. And so uh, when her old schoolmate is following her husband, the prosecutor, in the sting operation um, to see what's going on, the location that they're at on this beach, it it, oh, it is owned by W. Evans. So then that yeah. is, is the name that she's like, how is he connected? And then, yes, we learn that he is actually like the chemist for her father's big pharmaceutical company. And he has all the kind of extra mixes for the drugs that they make locked away. And so Burt Lancaster's ultimate plan is to take those spare uh, mixers of drugs and sell them with the help of this shady yeah. kind of guy. Yeah, Murano so, guy. Murano. Conrad. Yes, yes. Um, but it's th- this this location of all these, the, 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 let's say, the smuggling enterprise, it's this random area in Staten Island that's beaten yeah. down and looks totally derelict. Mm-hmm. I... It, weirdly enough it feels like something out of some sort of pirate movie and i think it's because it's on a beach and it's this wooden shack kind of house it doesn't feel particularly american to me even though this is a new york based movie for the most part there's chicago there's new york and there's this odd location in staten island but it feels like a cold like british beach or something it it's does. Like, it's exactly what it feels like to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because I've seen these kind of buildings in my yeah. own life here. <laughs> yeah. But it really did. It really did feel like that. Admittedly, I think that adds to the smuggling aspect of the situation. Yeah. The, the kind there of is dark something nature of the crime side of the story. There's something there's something rather historical about smuggling on British beaches. I think, yeah. which is, is has always been a case, um, but I really, I really liked this windswept location. Uh, I mean, there's times okay. I think particularly when Anne Richards is following her husband around, that I'm wondering how the hell the husband doesn't he doesn't see her hiding conveniently behind walls and. Yes, and under little boardwalks, and uh, there's several times where he almost catches her following him. Um, So yeah, she ends up kind of giving uh, Barbara Stanwyck lots of tidbits of information. Uh, The Waldo Evans guy calls her some more times and and tells her, you know, you need to tell your husband these certain things that Murano was arrested. And, you know, so the money that you're collecting for him, you don't need to collect it anymore because he's in jail. Um, I was able to get away. Uh, You can call me here, but I I won't be here after midnight. Like all of these kind of things. And it's very ominous and he's telling her to write it down. But at this point, she's just kind of in a panic um, and, and, and kind of freaked out and can't really... Uh, you know, take down any information. He gives her a number where she could probably reach her husband. So then when she kind of hangs up with him, she calls that number and it's the number to the morgue. And then you see her kind of put together um, all of the information that she's been collecting throughout the night from all these different sources that maybe the phone call was about her. 
we see her have yeah, a, the, the, the original, original phone call, phone call the beginning about of the movie. leaving the window open and we're going to kill her at 11.15 and all of this. She, We see her have a clear moment of thinking that it could be her and that her yes. husband has plotted this whole thing to kill her. Um, Which we don't want to be the case, given the fact we've no. had plenty of flashbacks at this point yeah. where, you know, it has seemed like Burt Lancaster's been quite the sympathetic figure, somebody yes. we totally understand. We've gone even on journeys with him uh, getting started in in the smuggling, meet, you know, meeting with Mr. Evans, who Mr. Evans himself is not a bad man. He's quite no. a... He's an older guy. He's a fairly genial guy. Just yeah. kind of seemingly wants a quiet life, but gets a little bit coaxed into this with the kind of promise of it all. They're not going to get um, caught. Can... It's going to be okay that he can make a little money. And yeah. 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 So there's a lot of sympathy there. So when we kind of, it's about two thirds of the way through the movie, when we not discover, I suppose that's the wrong word, when Stanwyck decides to believe that the original phone call is actually about her and her murder, people plotting to kill her, it really throws another curveball at us because yeah. it gives us now this impression that, okay, but... I know we've been through this movie now where Stanwyck's been, yes, annoying in the flashbacks, yes, overbearing in the flashbacks. Yes, Burt Lancaster is trying to make his own money. He's trying to do his own thing. He's not fully being allowed to. He's not, uh, you know, he, he's doing bad things, but he's not a bad man. Yeah. Would he really have his wife killed, even if she hasn't been the best to him? Because she's it seemed not... like he cared for her, yeah. too. Yeah, Exactly. And she's not inherently evil. I think it's a product of her very spoiled upbringing. Yes. And we do get one more conversation that she has that had me formulate a whole different ending in my head because of all the things you're saying. You know, we've, we've been made to kind of sympathize, empathize with Burt Lancaster up to this point. Though, yeah, she was annoying and overbearing and all these things. Would he really go as far as to set up a killing of her? So she ends up calling her doctor. And he ends up telling her, like, well, you didn't have a conversation with your husband. And she's like, no, what are you talking about? He's like, I sent this letter. Um, your husband was supposed to tell you. She's like, what letter? I don't know what you're talking about. And so she, you know, he's like, well, maybe, you know, we, I should call you tomorrow. And she's like, no, tell me now. So then he ends up telling her that she's not really, she doesn't have a heart condition. It's all in her yeah. head. She's been analyzed by this doctor and he has discovered that it's all a mental thing. She's been told that she has this heart condition. So it manifests itself physically because it's so inherently implanted in her brain. So her body kind of creates these symptoms of pain and, and weakness, but it's not really a physical ailment that's happening to her body. It's in her mind. And so when the doctor gives us this information, she doesn't want to believe it, that she's not really sick. And um, so then when 
we learn that she is suffering mentally and the doctor even thinks she might not even be aware like she might really feel like she's feeling these things and is not aware that it's a mental thing happening to her so then i formulated this whole ending that you know and so he's telling this all to burt lancaster because he's explaining yeah in a flashback in another in fact in a a flashback on a flashback flashback, because this is the doctor explaining to her that he met with burt lancaster and he's telling him all of this and burt lancaster had promised the doctor he was going to tell barbara stanwyck and he asked the doctor to promise like can you wait a few days before you tell her i want to tell her and 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 get her prepared for this for this information because i know she she won't be able to handle it so i need to prepare her doctor so you know write a letter and i will tell her in a few days so when he when once we learn that burt lancaster knows his information that she's not really sick that she has this mental disorder i'm over here thinking okay he literally has had all of he set up all of these people to call her to panic her set up knowing that she would call them for them all to give her these different pieces of this story to make her go crazy so that she would go maybe to an asylum or you know commit suicide or something so that he could be free and so you're thinking at this point wash his hands of her that he's just manipulating this this. Yeah, after everything, Burt Lancaster's really ending this movie as an evil guy, as a guy doing a bad thing. That he that but that he hasn't actually done the crimes or any of these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that, That people are telling her this. We're seeing these imagined flashbacks of these things happening, but these are all just fantastical stories that these people have been set up to tell her to mess with her mental state. So that she will do something of her own volition, whether it be sent away to a crazy hospital or throw herself off the balcony out yeah, of fear. Or this conveniently and, or, opened window that's yes, been opened all and movie. She's just sitting here going mad in panic, thinking someone's coming to kill her, but really nobody's coming. He's just told yeah. all of these people to tell her all of these things to mess with her so that she can go mad and then he doesn't have to deal with her anymore. And that he ha- is innocent of doing these crimes and all of this is just made up. That's where I thought it was going to go when when they gave us interesting when they gave us this tidbit of her having the mental disorder. So I was like, oh, yes, this has got to be where this is going. But do. Yeah. (laughs) Do we like then where it does go that the small bits of information she has got about where present day Burt Lancaster is actually end up accurate like he is out of town on oh yeah he sent a, her like a telegram a strip yeah he, he sent her a he, telegram he that she tele- doesn't she doesn't believe because yeah. she's been having all these other stories Called, but yeah. it's actually it's True. actually accurate um do we enjoy the ending that we do get because we begin to see a a figure outside of the building it's getting yeah. towards 11 15 yeah p.m we're still at this point only just perhaps realizing that the plotted murder from the very beginning of the movie from the original phone call yes it is actually on barbara stanwick mm-hmm. we still don't exactly fully understand why or know yeah. why 
But I think only at this point, five minutes before the end of the movie, do we actually realise that, oh, yeah, her, her worries were valid. Yeah. You know, this is actually about her now. Yeah, so we, we see, see someone Ace come in the window. Ray. We just see the, the silhouette and the shadow of this person. They, you know, she's hearing noises downstairs. And then she gets a call from Burt Lancaster. And yeah, oh, it's so good. It's yes. so good. It's so good and that he... it's framed everything Perfectly. about the visual. And 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 he he seems sweaty and a bit uncomfortable. There are a couple men kind of lurking around the phone booth he's in, kind of watching him. And you kind of don't want to believe that he did anything wrong, that he's really just calling her, that he's really just away on business, that he didn't do anything. But you hear him kind of feel sound more panic and look kind of sweaty, and and so then you know that he must have done something. And oh, yeah, you feel <laughs> yeah. so much pain for him. I think I think this is the yeah. great talent of Burt yeah. Lancaster. Yeah. Look, we spoke about on on Field of Dreams on Wednesdays, Morgan hasn't seen the fact that he he brought a level of warmth, warmth of and wisdom yeah. to his to his movie. This is the total opposite. This is such a this, this is a, a, an enormous hulking figure of a man with painful vulnerability yes, behind him. Yeah. And in this final scene, I mean, often in Burt Lancaster movies, I think particularly in the noir run uh, in, in the mid-late 40s, he is bringing so much vulnerability to his performances he does throughout the movie but he does so well in this final phone booth scene yeah. where he is he is worried he is panicking he is darting his eyes around looking behind him to these potentially mysterious men we don't even know if these men behind him have anything to do with the situation at all yeah he believes they do and that's the important thing his voice is getting quicker, Shaky. his breaths are getting more intense, and he ends up spilling the, the truth. Well, yeah, because she's telling him, all these people are calling me, all these people are telling me this, and they told me you did this, and he's not confirming any of it yet. So there's still, we're still holding on to this hope that he didn't do any of this, because she's telling him, people are telling me you did this, and you did that, and this and that, and that this is happening, and he is not admitting yet to any of it. And then when she starts panicking, she's like, someone's in the house. I see someone coming up the stairs. Then it all comes spilling out. I did do these things and I'm so sorry. And I did call somebody and I, I, I set somebody up to come for you. Go get out of the bed. Now you can get out, go to the balcony and shout for help. You know, I, and he's, he's imploring her to get up. And she's like, I can't move. I can't get up. I'm too scared. I'm too scared. I can't move. And he's just, no, get up, honey, get up, go to the window, call for help, get out of there. And, and and he's a, like just oh, it's just so intense and he feels so bad and he wishes you know he, you can tell in this moment he wishes that he never went there and took it this far and he's full of regret and the person's coming in and they're in the room and she's panicking on the phone and she doesn't know what to do and she's frozen in place and then we just see you know her arm we see the phone and, drop. Know, uh, we see yes. the phone drop don't we yes and the, the, it's, it was the thing you, you've look you've just described this ending really very very well 
I know I have a tendency to get very expressive when it comes to these kind of things. It's just because I thought this was such a ideally framed ending. The, yeah. the, the cutting back and forth between a growingly anxious Burt Lancaster in this phone booth and this figure, this shadowy figure outside who Stanwyck doesn't even know he's there yet. She doesn't yeah. know he's there until she is is can see his shadow at her the wits end yeah. on the phone yeah and can see his shadow on the staircase outside of a bedroom door but we do we know he's there we yeah. know he's coming we realize way before anybody else does exactly the danger yeah. and it takes Bert Lancaster to reveal everything to her properly as you say, filled with regret at this point, we go from believing that Burt Lancaster is doing is is ending this movie doing a very evil thing, assassinating his wife, essentially. Yeah. But within a minute, go to Oh, but what have you done? Done, yes. And and in those last minutes, we see somebody, uh, we see the men uh, try to pull him out of the phone booth. And he's still kind of calling out these warnings to her to do something. And then we just see the gloved hand pick up the phone yeah, and say, it, it gets... and say the words. Oh, no, I know, I know, I know. I... Wrong number. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, it's okay. it's look the the fact that the movie ends with the with the words "sorry, wrong number." I think could come across as a little bit. I, I, I want to use the word "naff," but it really, really doesn't. It works. I think it's it works. so yeah. perfect, but it is the terror of this final scene that I love so much, the the quiet plodding of the shadowy figure, who we never see properly. No. We just see a mm -hmm. shadow just coming further and further towards her. The music is really pounding at yeah. this point. It's so, so well done. We're, we're devastated for Burt Lancaster. We're terrified for Stanwyck, two characters who, who at different points during this movie... We haven't liked that much. At times we have liked and sympathised yeah. with, but at times we, we haven't. But at the very end, we are just heading our hands going, oh, no, oh, no. for both of them. Yes, because the, we see the two men, they're, they're obviously probably police officers dragging him out of the booth. And the last words he hears is, sorry, wrong number, from a man, the man he kno he knows that he hired to, to kill his wife, that he's regretting in those last moments. Uh, and, and that's how it ends. And it's just, oh, yeah, my gosh, it's, it's so great. tragic. Yeah. <laughs> Great immediate cut to black. You don't get a second no. to compute the weight of what Burt mm -hmm. Lancaster has just done. Even yeah. though the very end, obviously, he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't mean, I didn't mean to do it. Go save yeah. yourself. Get up, please. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it." And she just can't. can't. She's she just frozen, can't paralyzed with fear. 
and yeah, just just that final it's voice. Horrible! And, it it yes. you so mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Yes, to end with just sorry, wrong number. You almost expect a sort of grungy style end credits. Yeah, something. Yeah. But it just, the fact it ends there straight to black and just leaves you with despair is perfect for this kind of movie. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's so very intense. Very intense. Not where I expected. I'm sorry, it to I go. got so expressive. No, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it. This movie will definitely do that to you. I I liked my little idea of an ending. I I found that to be really interesting. But I mean, it's not to take anything away from the ending we did get. It was actually just kind of a surprise that everything played out exactly as each puzzle piece was given and every bit added up to what it was supposed to add up to because they do enough to make you think it's going to go in a different direction. And when it doesn't, that almost feels like a twist. Uh, So the way that it's able to kind of craft this story and lay out these pieces, the way it does and build the story in this way. um, And with every new piece of information, Barbara Stanwyck gets it, sinks her deeper into madness um that she's just this frazzled mess by the end of it it's just so impressive in the performances in the storytelling in the visuals and how it's cut together uh and then just this tragic ending i i think is kind of perfect so it it really is (laughs) it's you know i am a enormous fan of both of these lead actors anyway it's just um, it just emphasizes why i think particularly for stanwick it's definitely stanwick's movie more than it's burt's movie yeah um but it's another great installment on burt lancaster's noir run in the mid late 40s it's such a great inclusion into that and and with stanwick to to go and play a character and a, and a role like this, and as and as we spoke about earlier on, also the ability to play, you know, in 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 Meet John Doe, the ability to play Phyllis in in Double Indemnity, the ability to play in Christmas in Connecticut, which is <laughs> doubly more wholesome than Meet yes. John Doe because yeah. it's also silly and. Yeah out there it's staggering her talent i i, I love barbara stanwick yeah but, no, she's incredible you know this is burt lancaster week and applause goes very much to mr yeah. lancaster <laughs> as well it makes me even more sure that i want to at some point soon enough cover crisscross on this movie from 1949 which is it is a movie I, I kind of wanted to cover uh, on noir vember last november but ah. i'd already watched it twice that year <laughs> so well, felt now, like, like i yes. needed to watch something different yes i'm i'm curious to watch it because you told me that you had watched it like you know uh, uh, several times within a short period of time so 
yeah i'm like must yeah be i am and so i thought about doing it for this but you since you had like not too long ago watched it i was like no we can we can hold off and and, and bring it up later yeah but... basically if i watched it for this i'd have watched it three times in 12 months yeah <laughs> which is is a lot to me i mean it might not yeah. be to some people you know you weird people that go to the movies and watch the same new release six times and things like this it's just not something i can do i always need to watch something new and something different yeah i always feel you know i feel the need to do that it mean it's it's a hell of a compliment if i watch the same movie twice in a year never mind three times yeah. <laughs> like like i could have done with crisscross i think it's a wonderful i mean talk about a miserable ending as well of crisscross my god <laughs> um but we'll get there i'm sure we will yeah. i'm sure we will um but yeah sorry wrong number again perhaps similarly to to field of dreams but completely the opposite to field of dreams i was not expecting to quite find myself loving this as much as i did even though it's got everything in there that i would usually typically love yeah yes all the credit all the credit for sorry wrong number what a great movie to round out burt lancaster week what a great depiction of the peak burt lancaster whether it's peak burt lancaster whether peak burt lancaster was more early 60s when he was doing a little bit longer more intense kind of dramas and things like this or did burt lancaster just have a peak that lasted 30 years probably yeah. did to be fair yeah, didn't he i'd say that he never stopped he never stopped having a peak he never had a downturn mm -hmm. so he never had a peak it was just constantly <laughs> up constant there. yes yes <laughs> As it should be, as it should be. Well, Janine, I think that's going to do yes. it for this episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast on Sorry Wrong Number from 1948. It is not the only show we have on this podcast feed. Morgan hasn't seen it, of course, there, as we've mentioned several times on today's episode. Every Wednesday, subscribe to this podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. Answer those little questions. We put on Spotify, if you are over there, subscribed in your notification bell on the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel, of course, for all the fun videos and things we have on uh, over there too. We spoke about the Patreon and donation links before if you want to support us that way. But you can also find us on social media, on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at the Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is a magic number. On Instagram, TikTok, and threads at the Purple Dawn. All your telephoning is where. Ooh, you can find me at Janine DeBean underscore on Twitter, Janine DeBean on Instagram, TikTok, and threads. If you want to get any merch for any of our shows, just check the description for the link or search It's a Wonderful Podcast on teespring.com. And if you want to purchase any of my art and print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Well, uh, as we learned from Morgan Hasn't Seen on uh, Wednesday, you, you actually have a, a fondness for doing an impression of Burt Lancaster, Janine. <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't you... I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> he just has can a very specific way of talking. It's very kind of speedy. <laughs> but... well, uh, <laughs> go ahead, I'm sure it'll be a, a quick countdown. <laughs> 
Three, two, one. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah. Woman's picture.